Hello, I'm Tony. I'm Tally. And we are the, the Lazy, Lazy Book Lovers. <laughs> are you switching back to Tally all the time now? I don't know. I just Okay. We'll let baby look too. We'll see which pair <clears throat> is in the house. Yeah. Um, it depends on how much energy I've got for talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's not looking good. <laughs> I'm going to sit up a bit. Alright, alright. It's because it's warm as well. Yeah, it's warm. I've got a horrible cold and I'm pregnant. She's pregnant <laughs> as hell. I, I don't know if you've known this. <laughs> We've not mentioned it. <laughs> Especially it's like because we're recording in advance. So like for them, it must feel like you've been pregnant longer. I don't know. It feels like I've been pregnant for 10 years. Yeah. Oh, wait. In a couple of episodes time. Yeah baby might be here in the real world but we're doing it in advance so we don't know so this one will be not this thursday thursday after from when we're recording i mean technically baby could come from tuesday and it would be considered fine ah so we we could be <laughs> we could be talking to baby out of the out of the womb <laughs> Yeah, so the last episode that we record today, mm. baby will be here if it comes on its due date. That's so exciting and mad as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Well, I've got a lot to do. <laughs> <laughs> and said, she's here all day with you yeah. guys for free. <laughs> Baby's got nowhere to sleep at the moment. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Baby can sleep in, in my arms, as first baby did. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Lived on you. And we never had any issues moving to a bed at all. No. It's so <laughs> Not <smooth>. even now. <laughs> he never wants to be on me at all times. You oh. never know. You might get some, like, super independent baby that's just like... Well, this has been a horrible pregnancy so baby has to be chill or i'm returning it that's got to be the law though yeah because i had you said you had easy pregnancy pregnancy. i thought it was horrible but in comparison Mm. i had a really smooth pregnancy the first time the birth Mm. was i mean different story yeah the pregnancy itself i would happily take that again over this one (laughs) this one has just been i mean i know my body's older and i know it's hotter i just you never hit like you know there's sometimes that stage in the pregnancy where it gets easy for a while before you get too close to the due date. You um, never hit that point. Second trimester is supposed to be full of energy yeah. and everything's going good. Like you passed the morning sickness a little bit. I had it for about two weeks. Yeah. You just never had that phase where it was like, okay. I've never, never had a, a, a moment to just relax. Yeah. Cool. Mm. So today... <laughs> <laughs> So, today we just thought we'd do like an author focused episode. Mm-hmm. We've sort of done one on Terry Pratchett already. Yeah. Thought we'd do some more on a bit more of a contemporary, not contemporary, like a modern author. Yeah. Are we trying to, we're probably just trying to find ones that we think are not going to come out with some transphobic yeah. or racist shit at some yeah. point. So, we're probably going to run out now. Um, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> I just think there's like especially when they have their own TikToks and like social media that they run I think it's just too easy for them someone to say the wrong thing I know and I can't even be like if they're dead it's fine because stuff comes out later yeah I know if they ever find some like diaries of Terry Pratchett where he's like I don't think it would happen but can you imagine and then you just say oh no like um oh look at baby all the way over here oh my god yeah what are you doing your bump is like fully (laughs) lopsided oh my god (laughs) That's because you were leaning, baby's like, oh no! Move your bum! <laughs> when I first got into like horror and stuff and mm. I was really getting into, oh gosh, what's he called? I can't remember. Stephen no, King? No, no. The gentleman who does all the cosmic horror, what is he called? Oh, I can't think of it. And then it turns out um, he had a cat called the M word. I mean, mm. it was a word that was quite common for him. 
in his day, but okay. Why did I go up with his name? I'm gonna have to Google him. Hang on, hang on a minute. All right, you 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 bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, improvise too <laughs> to cover this gap. <laughs> Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft. Ah, <laughs> uh, I should have known. He's all about tentacle monsters and stuff. He should be like, oh yeah, he's on the tentacle vibe. <laughs> He was so ahead of his time. The forerunner of the tentacle porn genre. <laughs> you know what? I have a whole like collection of his stuff that I've never read. Nick's got a book which has all of his stories mm. in it. It's freaking huge. Mm. And it's like all of his stories from, I think it starts when he was like age eight mm. or something. Some of them are just like one page and some of them mm. are longer. And he's been making his way for it for years and it's just... I dip in and out, and I'm like, these are crazy. Uh, this, I mean, this is the year where I just let myself read whatever shitty, sm- smutty, crappy, tacky As fantasy we all know, that I, I have read. gone down a serious <laughs> route that no one could have expected, not even I. Yeah, I'm just not reading things that I'm supposed to read now. I'm just reading whatever I feel like reading. And it's... I was really disappointed the other night when I was trying to explain to Nick when he was trying to go to sleep, admittedly, about <laughs> um, the Mothman anatomy. It's just how often... And he was just, unim- he just, he, he was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's how often that you're, like, talking to him about monster porn while he's trying to fall asleep. <laughs> it's the only time when there's not an awake child in there. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, I want some adult conversation. Yeah, and I always talk to him about my books, and it just so happens at the moment I'm reading a lot of monster porn. So if you want to hear about, like, you're happy to hear about Six of Crows, and then you tried it out and loved it, you're happy to Mm. hear about Skullduggery, maybe he might want to try some Mothman You've found a way to connect about some other books, why not Mothman? I'm not judging, (laughs) who am I to know? He might be like, actually, Milk in a Centaur sounds kind of (laughs) cool. Babe, I'm so interested in the central milking. <laughs> Finally, we've got something to relate to. <laughs> and the other night, I said to him, can I tell you about this book I'm reading? And he said, you can tell me, but I'm going to play my game and not listen. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> That's okay. mean. You can just send me voice notes. I had to introduce a new coloured tab to the book I was reading the other day. <laughs> No, 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 no. Right. It's because a character made me so angry. I didn't have an angry colour. I didn't have a tab for anger. Oh, okay. And the whole second half of the book was just... Angry tabs. The dark purple tab that I had to add in for <laughs> anger. I love how anger's dark purple. It was just because um, I'm doing a new annotating thing where I choose just the tabs that match the front cover of the book. So mm. they're aesthetic. See, I am. I'm one of those girls now. I admire the effort people that tab or like write stuff in the margins could not be bothered. It's never going to be every me. book on my shelf will be that way because I'd like the aesthetic of someone like I don't know, like a boy that I would give me books that they've annotated. But I'm never going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> just couldn't be me. No, it just could not be me. So I'm looking forward to when I reread like Six of Crows and stuff mm. to do my annotations in there. Yeah. Have you seen what I did to Queen of Shadows? No. So I was having a bath, and I ran the bath using the shower, and I couldn't be asked to hold the shower head, so I, like, set the shower head in the bath, like, so it would, like, just sort of run in the bottom of the bath. Did it do a flip? It, yeah, it did not go... I was voice noting a friend at the time as well, and literally the voice note is just me screaming, because this shower is just spraying everywhere, soaked the book... <laughs> I remember when I was reading in a bath once Mm. and I leant over to grab my phone to answer a text and then I dropped them both. So I saved my book. Yeah. But I had to replace the phone. See, I have never dropped a book in the bath. It didn't go in the bath. Mm. So I guess technically neither have I. Yeah. Dropped my phone in the bath. (laughs) Uh, I try not to take my phone in the bathroom, but because I've got, I have this thing, the strap. Yeah. Which has, like, saved my phone more than I can say. It's not pretty, but... But it does the job. It does the job. Yeah, Nick's phone got run over recently. And, um... 
the screen protector did its job because the only thing that was broken was the screen protector. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. I got this phone you can get because the cameras on the newer iPhones are so big. I've got a screen protector on the camera side as well. I thought it was quite good. And it's got a crack across it, so clearly that was needed. Yeah. I don't think the camera's got a crack in it because I would surely know that. But yeah. the actual screen protector does. So. That's clever. Mm. Mm. Um, Alright, so. Leave Ardugo. Leave Ardugo. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. wiggle into a comfy position. Right. I am, I sort of had a look around. She does have her own website, but the bio on that is quite short, so I am using her Wikipedia page because that was the longest one I could find. Oh, nice. Oh. My sticker just came off because of my sweaty <coughs> hands. Mm. All right. She was born April 6, 1975, so she's 47. And she does not look that. I oh, know. But I was literally having this conversation yesterday that... The media has screw, screwed our ability, skewed our ability to understand how old women are. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But no, she doesn't look. I would have said 30s. So she was actually born in uh, Jerusalem, in Israel. I was going to say she's Israeli, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. Uh, and then she grew up in Los Angeles, California, uh, and she was raised by her grandparents there. She's secular, Jewish, and of several different Jewish nationalities as well uh, and I'm going to say these all wrong and I apologise in advance so Sephardic Jewish on her father's side Ashkenazi Jewish on her mother's side and Lithuanian Jewish on her mother's side oh. she went to Yale University graduated with a degree in English in 1997 uh, and she was a member of a secret society there which she uses later in one of her books I found out during the research for this <laughs> so the wolf's head Secret Society, which is like a writing society at Yale. Because of course, Yale is good, is it? <laughs> no, not particularly. And so. She's a queen. She worked in copywriting, journalism. So she was actually living the dark academia lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Like, she really yeah, has. Mm. She's worked, yeah, she did copywriting, journalism, and she worked up in makeup and special effects. So, all of this has, I think, led to. Yeah. The, the kind of book she's got now. Her. Debut novel, Shadow and Bone, the first in the Grisha trilogy. Uh, so her first book was published in 2012 by Macmillan, and it was nominated for a bunch of awards, named an indie Nestlix list book, reviewed in the New York Times, and it hit uh, number eight on the New York Times bestseller list. And then the other books in the series came out, like, the consecutive years after that, so 2013, 2014. And I didn't realise, and I probably should have, the inspiration for Ravka is Russia. For some reason, I thought it was like <laughs> Poland or something. I don't know why. Oh. But nice Russian. <laughs> Which should be. I obvious. thought Russia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Six of Crows Georgie was published in 2015 and 2016, which is our favourite. Mm-hmm. Set in the same <clears throat> universe of the Grisha trilogy. So it's just now known as the Grishaverse, basically. Mm. Six of Crows was named the New York Times most notable book. And then ALA, YA. LSA top 10 pick of the 2016 no idea <laughs> what that list is but and then Language of <clears throat> Thorns came out in 2017 she's also written comics which I didn't know oh she's done a Wonder Woman comic Warbringer which was published by Penguin Random House in 2017 and then 2019 Ninth House came out with a different publishing house I need to read Ninth House I've got it and from what I've been reading when I was doing this research, it looks like it's quite a good book. And yeah, if you, you like dark, it, no, yeah. I haven't. But if you like dark academia, yeah, because it's based that's on why a secret I don't society. Understand why I haven't read it. Yeah, definitely want to add to the list. Just it's just come out, yeah. yeah. And then obviously, if anyone's paid attention, her series, the Grishaverse series in general, like books, has been picked up by Netflix. It was first bought by DreamWorks, by the way. Which mm. I didn't know. They bought the rights to it like way back in 2012. I feel like I'm glad Netflix was the ones that ended up producing it. Yeah, they just did nothing with it. And so yeah. the guy who produced some of the Harry Potter films was actually set to be the director of like the Shadow and Bone film. And then it just never happened. And then, so like basically 10 years later, 
said this person bought the rights in 2012 which like if you thought your first book got published and then the rights for the movie got bought you'd be like so excited and then they just did nothing with it I, I think it happens a lot mm. like and because they just want to sneak in there first to stop else that someone else getting it yeah so I think until it gets to like a writing mm. stage there's probably no point in being excited yeah so and then yeah Netflix um, ordered the series which is great I can't believe you still haven't watched it. I know. It's so good. My to watch list is ridiculous and all I do is rewatch watch stuff. Well, you just need something easy, I think. Something I predictable. Think, I think I'm going to save all these series that I've not watched, but I really want to, mm. for when I'm up all night with Baby. Yeah, like night feeds and stuff. Because with, with First Baby, I watch like all nine seasons of Shameless, or whatever, the American one. I still haven't finished that. Hmm. Um, I've not seen like the last two or the most recent one mm. or whatever. So I think I'm going to save all the series I've been desperate to watch for that. Because yeah. if they're ones I'm desperate to watch, it'll keep me awake as well. Yeah. Because if I'm re-watching something, I might just have a little doze because I already know what's going to happen. Mm. <sighs> I don't know how you do it. Well, you don't have a choice, huh? I know. No, but at, I think like well during your pregnancy, your body gets you ready by you get the insomnia. Yeah. To get you ready. I wonder if that's actually a thing. I think so. Hmm. I read that. It's clever. The body is so clever. <laughs> well, I think you tagged me and it was like, oh, I can grow an entire human in nine months, but like if you twist your ankle, it would never be the same again. I know because I was like, my ankle still hasn't healed from when I twisted it. Yeah. But I've. Grown I've two people. Grown, yeah, two people. Grown, grown two people. Birthed one. Provided that one with nutrition for four years. Yeah. Or five, including the pregnancy. Yeah. But my ankle still hurts if I walk too fast. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, just like how fragile our spines are for like to, for all the things they support. It's mad. Yeah. Apparently, we were never supposed to walk upright, and that's no, why. and we were not supposed to sit down all day, like, Mm-mm. at a desk or whatever. I tell you what, yeah, that standing desk has been the best thing I've ever bought. But it's been too hot to stand, and it makes... And imagine if you'd got one of those walking ones as well in this heat. <sighs> I really want one of those under-desk walking pads. I'd love that. I've been looking into them, but I can't... They're all, like, £200 plus. And I can't find out how loud they are because I would be uh, directly above where my mum works because my room's over the living room. That might have to be uh, something you get when you move out. Mm-hmm. I think so. But yeah, I'll be living my best work from home life. I'd do that. Like, You'll never have to leave the house again. My steps will just be incredible. Yeah. I'd, do, I'd happily do that whilst playing Sims. Like, yeah, doing all exactly. sorts of stuff. <laughs> like, when I'm writing. Right. Just, uh, I just need to be able to move. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than just a leg. Well, we, uh, we've got, we're going to start doing more in-person days in the office. And I'm like, I don't know how, like, because I'm so, and I refuse to go back to the world where I force myself to sit so still. So I just fidget constantly. And I've said to them, I was like, I'm aware I'm driving you all crazy. But, it's either but I, you want me here, so. But, like, I can't, I can't do this. And, like, meetings, I have, I have to bring something in with me. Like, I'll bring something in, I'll just openly do it. I'm like, I'm listening, guys, but I need to be doing something with my hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we just need to get over this now. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to be, like, a pen clipper in meetings, and I'm mm. like, sorry. Yeah, it's it's just, just, I need to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Actually, um, buddy, go. Actually, buddy, go. Little tangent. Okay, so, she suffers from a condition called osteonecrosis. Not sure if I'm saying that right. Uh, so she needs to use a cane, mm-hmm. and which was the inspiration, obviously, behind Kaz Ripper, the king of the barrel, uh, having a cane. Do you know? What I recently found out. Okay, I read a lot of weird mm. erotica books. Okay, I recently yeah, found out that some fan fiction has him use that cane in an inappropriate mm. way. I feel for someone with a disability. Like, I don't. I, don't know. Mm. I just think it's a walking aid. Well, also, it's like a symbol of power because he uses it mm. as a weapon as well. Like, I don't think that should be in vaginas. No, no, no especially I, if it's been on the ground as well. It's not going to be clean. More to the point, we need to think about these things, yeah. okay? Like, do you know it will be clean? His hands, yeah, because they're always in gloves. Yeah, but mm, 
would he be able yeah. to touch? And also, he's like seventeen, so yes. That was a side note. (laughs) (laughs) I've not read these fanfics. I just found out about it. Uh, And she eloped with her partner of four years in January twenty twenty two. Yeah, she shared all those beautiful little Mm, sneaks. Don't remember you saying about that. Um, And she stars in like one of the episodes. Well, doesn't star. She's like in the background, I should say, of one of the episodes. I love like all of the behind the scenes photos of her with her characters. She's just like. Living her best life, and all of the cast embody their characters so well. They did they? such a I've good job. I've not even job. watched it, yeah. but I can see they embody them so yeah. well. They did such a good job with the cast, especially Jesper. Like I could not have picked someone better to play Jesper. I'm not even kidding. Gets it so right. I'm looking forward to. It comes out in September, doesn't it? The graphic novel, which is like the Three of the Darkling. It's called like Beyond the Deep. Not I didn't Beyond, know that. Something Deep Woods. I've got okay. it on uh, pre-order. Yeah, it looks it, so good. I think they do more of his history in the series, you know, than they do in the books. I feel like I'm remembering Yeah, that. but the books were written a while ago, and mm. she has developed so much as an author, like you can tell. So I can imagine she added more into the... Yeah. Because she was involved in the screenwriting process, wasn't she? Yes. And Which is probably why it's so true to Well, there's, there's a, like, the reason where they changed Alina to a shoe character in this, which is, like, her version of, like, Asia, mm. because she's... And she's, I found this article that she... That was in The Guardian, with this interview she gave, where she basically... That was a decision she made, because her original set of characters were all white, mm. and obviously then when she wrote Six of Crows, she was like, I did, went a completely different way, because obviously that's not real life. Real life yeah. people are from all and over. Like the first, the first trilogy was very much like it was YA tropey for its time. Yeah, and not like other she girls says that as well. Like that, she yeah. was like, I, I just there was lots of tropes in it. She was like, so when I wrote Six of Crows, I just wanted it to be completely and different. That's why like Six of Crows duology and like the mm. King of Scars and mm. Rule, Rule of Wolves are yeah. like the characters are just so well written because she actually yeah. like gives them urgency. She gives them. Alina is so. Alina and Mal are really hard to root for. They're so nothingy. I really hate Mal in the books as well. Not yeah. hate, but I don't like them together. I'm like, oh, so now that she's beautiful, now that she's taken on her power, you suddenly fancy well, her. I was looking After up, you've been stroppy about her having power. I was looking up quotes <laughs> to share for this, mm. and like, there are not really many good quotes from Shadow and Bone. Like, no. most of them are from. Six of Crows onwards. I can understand why. Yeah. Upon reading it, obviously, I recently read it. I'm an yeah. adult. Upon reading it, I can understand why people rooted for her in the dark. Darkling, dark yeah. Because they had more passion. Or even her and Nikolai. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like, love Nikolai. I would give my life for Nikolai. Yeah, one of the few good and quotes. And he's got a sky ship. Yeah, he's got a little <laughs> ship that goes in the sky. <laughs> One of the good quotes I found from it was like, I want to kiss you, but not why you're still thinking of him. I won't do that. But like, I'm not why you're going to be kissing me and thinking of him. And I can't remember if that's talking about Mal or the Darkling. Either way. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, it's great. I love it. I see lots of things about when they did the, they announced the casting for the next season and everyone's like, where's Sturmhond? Like, where's Sturmhond? La la la. And it's like, uh... <laughs> I'm sorry, have you read the book? Yeah. <laughs> so that's why also she she rushed, well, not, not rushed, but pushed to have the second, like the King of Scars Rule of Wolves books come out when they did. She was like, it had to come out before the series came out on Netflix. She was like, because it was, the books are for the fans. Mm. And she was like, I wanted this to, I wanted this to, like, almost conclusion to happen before it took off with people who aren't fans of the books. She was like, this was for the fans, basically. Oh, she's such a babe. <laughs> she's like, I, I wanted this that. to be just theirs before the series came out. I love that. And I was like, that's such a nice thing. I mean, I've got the article I found that she gave, interview she gave, um, and there's some good quotes in it. Bear with me while I look through. There's lots of Fapping. She's obviously quite gothic and cool. Yeah. She went to quite a rich school, but she was not rich. And she was bullied for her Jewish faith. 
and so she's bullied for a lot of reasons so she like really retreated into literature so like frank herbert isaac asimov octavia butler diane Wynne jones and stephen king were the kind of things she read as a teenager good choices quote from her here is reading like writing was a survival strategy when i was young because there was a way of feeling that my world could be larger than it actually was it was inevitable that we'd end up writing sci-fi or fantasy and then when she went to Yale, she found her tribe, like her fellow weirdos. So she joined the Wolfhead Secret Society, one of eight secret societies at Yale, uh, which dates back to the 19th century, and didn't start admitting women until 1992. So she would have been there not long after they were allowing... Standard academia. Mm-hmm. So, and then Ninth House is one of Yale's secret societies, but they have supernatural specialties. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I think definitely up your street. Yeah. So she worked as a journalist. She wrote movie trailers, transcribed footage for The Bachelor, and she did a bit of time in Hollywood as a makeup artist. Yeah. And then she quit her job around the time twenty, like that. Shadow and Bone took off, so she could become a writer full time. That's so just cool. like the dream. Yeah. She basically says that it was just good timing because obviously this book came out during like the Twilight Hunger Games era. So it's of that era of yeah. books, same as Sarah J Mass, like that whole... They were able to like push it because that's what people wanted at that time. Yeah, and it's obviously the whole chosen one, I'm not like other girls girl, mm-hmm. that that whole era of fiction was. And then, so I, this, she says how she got the idea for um, Six of Crows, right? She was driving to LA uh, and she saw a billboard for the 2014 George Clooney and Matt Damon film The Monuments Men. And then she got this, like, picture in her head of, like, a fantasy heist. Um, and it wasn't originally even going to be set in the Grishaverse. No. But then she was, like, couldn't let Grishaverse go. Yeah. So she decided to write a fantasy oh, heist, like, Monuments Men. Yeah. So she had all these characters. Like, she pictured all those characters in her head. There was... Yeah. I just looked up what that book's called. It's called Demon in the Wood, in case you want to add it to your wish list. The graphic novel of the dark. Okay. <laughs> I was like, it took me a second then. <laughs> so yeah, it's like meant to be Ocean Eleven's heisty monuments meant like that whole it's kind of the vibe it has, film. Yeah, it? except yeah. you know, there's just like magic and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it's not even that much. It's almost secondary the magic and things. It is just a heist and lots of chaotic teenagers. <laughs> well, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, I barely actually remember the heist. I just remember like the characters. Yeah. I love the characters so much. Um, They're the most beautiful found family in the world. So, now walk through some more good quotes. So this is what she said about for the show, where they combine Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows. She thinks it works together beautifully. It makes the world feel bigger. It's a much more fitting introduction to a universe that I've been working on for a decade now. I'm very proud of the show. I feel grateful for all the love and care that went into it. And it was filmed in Budapest. Yeah. Yeah, so she sort of talks about how, like, fame kind of was a bit much for her and she's chosen to have quite a private life, mm. really, like a real separation. Yeah, there wasn't that long ago that she stepped back because of all of that. Mm. Like, um, some bullying came to, like, within author circles, didn't it? And now she's well, so kind of stepped back. Allegedly, it was Sarah J Mass that made fun of her for having a cane or made allusions to talking about an author with a cane. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, we all don't think that's about, yeah. basically. Allegedly, I don't know. That's like, well, I think it was circulating lately. Yeah. Because it happened, like, I mean, no she, cameras or... Lee Bardugo did comment and say that she had been the victim of some bullying. Mm. But she wouldn't comment any further than that. But people delved into it. And that is a big reason why Sarah Jonas is not liked by a lot of readers. Mm-hmm. Because Lee Bardugo is her queen. Yeah. And also, obviously, Sarah J. Max has some other things against her. Yeah. I think it just all adds up. Mm-hmm. It's a bit tricky. Mm. But not mm-hmm. Levi Dicko. She is the queen. No, why would you ever be mean to her? Yeah. Rule of War was actually kind of like a finale for the Grishaverse, basically. She doesn't know she's going to write more. She has no immediate plans. Oh, so that, like, third Six of Crows that was rumoured to be in the works might not actually happen. So this article is... When is it dated? Ah, 17th of May 2021. So... Oh, potentially. Potentially. But yeah, she originally... That's why Rule of Wars Wars came out when it did. To finish it all off. Mm -hmm. 
But we don't need another six of crows. We do. I do. I need another. <laughs> I can see her doing a third in like the King of Scars. Mm-hmm. But I feel like six of crows. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just. I, I it does wrap like, up nicely. I would like them in the peripheral of other stories. So, I mean, if they were to sort of. Yeah. You know, when you get glimpses of them in King of Scars, like, and you sort of. They go to Ketadam yeah. and Kaz helps them and stuff like that. And it's like. They talk about Nesh. Yeah, and they, say, they say hi to Captain Gaffer or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. See, that's what I want. I want yeah. more of that. I don't. I don't want. I'm happy with that as a duology. Yeah. I don't want another book added just on, on them. That. Yeah. yeah, well, it's not going to be just about them because they don't all work. And they'd have to like concoct like another heist. Yeah, got them, them all together. To get yeah. together. Yeah, but I saw, <laughs> I saw this thing, this meme on Pinterest that was like Inej and Kaz wouldn't refer to each other as like boyfriend or fiance or whatever it'd be like my partner and then there was a comment below it like no they'd say this is my associate oh my god yeah <laughs> this is my associate isn't it <laughs> and i was thinking that's 100 percent what they'd call each other yeah like i wouldn't mind if she was doing something in the universe set mm. years later and it's just like mentioned that they're married yeah. or something and i'll be like yeah. and just whilst i've distracted away okay. from what you're reading i really liked that we got to see like Jenya and stuff in the six of, mm. in the King of Scars mm. and Zoya. Although what they do to David, I, I know. Yeah, it's, I mean that's Bruno. spoilers. I don't know. But yeah, so I like that. Like mm-hmm. bring the characters in if if it feels right. Yeah, not forcing it. I think it was done quite well. So I. I have faith in the Vardiga that she will oh, continue she, to do she that. Knows what yeah, she's she doing, knows. Yeah, she knows. And she's it was for the fans, like she says, like almost, but in the right way. Yeah. Like I hate when they write another book and it's just like the author clearly didn't want to carry the story on. Like there's, or, there was people that actually were like, this duology mm. wasn't needed; it was pointless. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? No, because there is there is so many loose ends yeah. that it does tie up. And it had more Nikolai. Yeah. <laughs> Nikolai and Zoya. I found some great quotes from them um, when I was searching for this. They're brilliant. So yeah, I thought we could summarise yes. what the different series are about. <laughs> so Shadow and Bone. So that's Shadow and Bone, Ruin and Rising, Siege Against the Storm. I'm pretty sure I've just said them out of order. Siege and Storm? Siege. Is it a Siege Against it the Storm? It might be, yeah. Right siege on. and Storm. Who knows? Gotta unlock the iPad now. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> got it open. Hang on. No, I've got it open. Probably wrong. Siege and Storm, Ruin and Rising. You were right. Why did I think it was against? I just remember Sounds they were all epic. something and something. Yeah. That is set in Ravka. There's a big black wall that's like <laughs> divides the country in half, kind of. That wall is like basically death, like it's just shadow and blackness, and there's monsters that live in it. Shadow and bone. <laughs> Did that both. Alina is just a, a map maker in the army. Cartographer. Cartographer, that's I don't know it. If that's what they're called in it, but that's. That sounds right. And then her best friend from her childhood home where they were raised in orphanage together is Mal. She obviously enlisted just to stay with Mal. And basically, because if you're an orphan, there's not a lot of options in Ravka mm. besides joining the army, which has been in like a civil war for Ever. forever, basically. Then when they have to go across the Shadow Fold, I remember the proper word for it yeah. now, <laughs> or the Unsee, they use two different words for it. Yeah, yeah. Lena's powers come to light. Turns out she's a, a sun, sunbringer. Sunbringer? Something like that. I really thought I didn't need to get the summaries up because we could just do it. (laughs) Sunweaver or sun something? It's the opposite to the darkling, isn't it? Sun summoner. Sun summoner. There we go. They're all summoners, aren't they? Summoner. Yeah. Yeah. So she's. It turns out she's a sun summoner, and they're very rare. And they believe that she could help defeat the shadow fold. Um, so she gets taken to the little palace in Ravka, which is where all the Grisha go to train to be in the army. So there's the second army, which is like the people without magic. The people that don't mind dying. Yeah, basically, who <laughs> are just kind of grunts. Fodders. Yeah, yeah, cannon fodder. And then there's the people in the um, army of 
Grisha, which is the name for the people of magic. She gets taken there. Darkling is very powerful, very handsome. He is a shadow summoner, so like the opposition to her. Uh, it was his ancestor, quote marks, who made the shadow fold. And he's looking for a way to get rid of it because he's the good guy, quote marks. And during that time, Mal realises he loved her all along. (laughs) (laughs) The quote quote from when he comes and finds her is so rubbish, by the way. It's like, basically, I was like, oh, something would happen. I'd turn to you and you weren't there to tell. And I suddenly realised I've been looking for you all my life. And it's just like, ugh, shut up. Yeah, like, she's all... Mal's quite attractive and he's always got, like, different women and stuff and he and talks she, about bedding them with her yeah, and, and she's like oh <laughs> and then it turns out that because she'd like been hiding her powers she wasn't as beautiful as she should be yeah so like it's very much of the time not yeah. like other girls <laughs> well but basically she realized when she was in the orphanage that if she got found out that she was a Grisha, which she suspected she was, she'd get taken away and separated from Mal. And she just didn't want that to happen. She'd lost her family, so she wanted to stay with Mal. So she suppresses her powers to the point where she's kind of forgotten she had them. <clears throat> yeah, she basically like, really suppresses she, it. Yeah. When Grisha suppress their powers, it makes them ill. So yeah. she's like sickly, thin, drawn, pale, yeah, no appetite. And then when she goes and starts using her powers, it kind of... Makes her beautiful. Makes her beautiful and she fills out and blah, 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 all those kind of... And she, like, radiates sun. Yeah. And Mal's like, wow, I didn't realise I loved you all along. Are you sure? Are you sure you loved her all along? (laughs) Yeah, are you sure? Are you sure? sure? You just didn't have someone... now she's hot. Yeah, she was fawning after you all those years. Mm. But anyway, he (laughs) finds a way to come see her at the Little Palace. Totally believable love story. Uh, And... That's also the night when shit kicks off. The teacher, Bagra, who's like an older Grisha yeah. who teaches the people at the Little Palace, is like, um, by the way, the Darkling. Who could have seen this coming? A person called the Darkling. Is a bad doing, boy. Are we doing a fall? I'm not going to go. Okay. I'm just going to sort of wrap it up about okay, that. Yeah. And she's like, run for your life. <laughs> He's bad. Run. And she's like, no, I, I like him. He's hot. He, he's hot and he says I'm hot. <laughs> he says I'm special. And he gave me some nice robes. Yeah, because in the series, she refuses to wear his colours, but I don't remember if that happens in the books. Yeah, she doesn't want to wear it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. There she runs away. Mal also happens to be nearby and helps her. Of course her, he does. And they run off together. Turns out Mal's like a really good tracker. Yeah, which we find out later the reasons for that and why they were drawn to each other. Quote marks. <laughs> Yeah. later on the the guy who's like one of the princes of Ravka gets involved and he's very handsome and charming and it's who she should have ended up with but I like that he ended up with Zoya I like it's, that story it's who she should have ended up with but he shouldn't have no yeah yeah. like for her it would have been a great story like yeah. for him it would have been a no. bit of a waste no shit goes down basically and they the darkling shit kicks off and the good guys win I guess Wow. Uh, and then Six of Crows is set like five, not even five years later, isn't it? We worked it out once. Yeah, it's just a few years later. It's set in a different country called Ketadam. Um, so that's like across the sea from Ravka. Uh, and it's like a well known kind of. Yeah, because it's like anything a dock goes. Area. Yeah. Dock it's an time. island country, but it's a very small country. Mm. And it's like there's not many laws. It's like gambling is cool. If you if you've read the book, I know you haven't, Tony. But if you've read the book, listeners, it was very much like uh, Loch Lamora vibes, mm. which will make sense if you read that. Okay, basically, it was like the Amsterdam of yeah, <laughs> the Grinchy verse, basically, like anything kind of goes. Yeah. But there's also like lots of slavery, but slavery is outlawed, so they people get indentured instead, which is like where they get sponsored to sponsored quote marks. To be transported across the sea. Yeah, and quote like marks. brothels and things. And then they have to buy their freedom. But oh, they're never going to pay off those indentures, basically. Yeah. So it's kind of... It's yeah. very seedy. It, yeah. But it's basically a world where money is king. Uh, and then we've got our crows. So they are a gang, the dregs. And Kaz Brecker is like the second... 
I'm just grinning. I love <laughs> like, the He's like the world. lieutenant in the dregs, but he basically runs the show. And the reason yeah. the dregs went from a shit gang to like a, a gang that's feared is because of him. He finds out that there is a heist they can get involved in to retrieve someone who made a thing. Does... I'm trying to remember. Maybe I'm thinking of the second one. Like, do they have a choice of getting involved or is he basically forced to get involved? He chooses it. And then the second one, he's... They're, like, forced to get involved in the next kind of storyline. Like, someone has something from them or something. I'm, like, misremembering. No. So, no, that... Oh, um, yeah, I know what I'm thinking of. Okay. It's to do with, um... <laughs> I can't remember it, no. This is melting baby brain. Hold on, guys. <laughs> the one who looks like Wyland, <clears throat> but he's not... Oh, Kawhi. Thank you. Well, that's the guy they go to rescue. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's all, it's all melting in my brain. Basically, there's a substance that's been made that affects Grisha powers and makes them extremely powerful, but also burns them out really quickly. And people yeah, want like to use that drug, for nefarious purposes. And the guy who made the drug is currently being held in the court of another kingdom. Fierda. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there we go. Um, it's like Ice Kingdom. <laughs> so he's being held in the Fierda Ice Court. What we don't know is it's not really him. There's like something else happened. But anyway, uh, the crows get employed to basically go and break that guy out from the most secure prison in the world. Yeah, and um, like the crows are um, slightly a bit of a crew that's been kind of shoved together and slightly people that have worked together before yeah so they're all people that are loyal to Kaz that Kaz has brought into the drag so Inej was in a brothel and but she used to do acrobats and she's quite quiet and Kaz saw her and was like well you'd be a great spy because she sneaks up on him to talk to him and he's like how the fuck did she get so like no one's ever snuck up on me ever before oh I do like the quote about that though it was like Inej was like once he'd heard her once he could always hear her and I was like, oh. From the very beginning. <clears throat> and gang. Yeah. And Jesper is... He's in the gang because basically he was a uni student. He likes gambling. <laughs> he is full on chaotic by ADHD energy. I love him. <laughs> yeah. And he's very good with guns. Yes. But you kind of find out the reason for that later. But yeah, he's really good with guns. And then they've got Nina, who is a former member of the Ravkin army, who came over with Matthias where basically they got shipwrecked together and she tried to save his life but in doing so accidentally sort of made him be imprisoned in Ketterdam so she stayed in Ketterdam yeah. to free him and that's how she got involved with Kaz so basically it's like a very found family and Wylan is the son of a, sh- a merchant who tried to get away from his dad and Kaz was like well there's someone I can use <laughs> yeah and he's really good with bombs and demolitions and stuff yeah Uh, yeah they all work together and it's very cute fan family vibes the best kind of fan family yeah epic love stories you literally like fall in love with every character the characters all have so much depth as well it's great yeah and the books actually change between their viewpoint Mm -hmm. and Lee Bodugate actually writes them differently as well. They are so, like, you would know who was speaking even if mm-hmm. she didn't write who was speaking, if yeah. they didn't have a title. Like, you would just know. Yeah. Like, um, they're not, they're not like some authors do where they're just written exactly the same. Yeah. No. They've all got different levels of, like, loyalty to one another. And it's mm. great to see that when you're following that character. And, like, for instance, everyone, yeah. you know, loads of people, loads of the characters idolise Kez, uh, Kaz, and then you'll get one character who doesn't, and it's Yeah, calls him Demon, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just like this, so there's all these memes about, like, everyone else looking at him, like, bust of the barrel, like, calculating cold, and then Kaz's POV is, like, Inej, 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 I love Inej, Inej, Inej. <laughs> like the inside is yeah. so poetic and then what yeah. he says out loud is like it's an investment yeah <laughs> you're an investment i love all the memes to do with basically he 
cares a lot about an edge but isn't very capable of saying it so he calls her an investment and there's so many because he took on her yeah he took on her indenture so basically the he got his boss to buy out her indenture to the brothel um and then she's got to pay them off before she's free but it's like a realistic pay them off well it's more realistic than it was the one that because tanta helene the person who owned her at the brothel charges her for room and board and things and they didn't charge her as much so she could realistically pay it off basically but then he frees her instead (laughs) they are such a cute yeah anyway obviously predictably the heist goes terribly wrong shit kicks off because there has to be a second the second book so it's got to go wrong yeah but it's great like Inej I love Inej and Nina's relationship they've all just got such fabulous like Jesper and Inej as well they're so cute and Jesper and Kaz and just, I love Jesper. Like of all of them, Jesper's my favourite. I think Rule of Wolves and yeah, King of Scars is the guy Nikolai, the ki- who's now the King of Ravka. I don't. If that's a spoiler. The, the, it, the books came out ten years ago. Is like, it the set ones. after? It's after Six of Crows, but it's like just after, isn't it? Like quite soon after. because yeah. obviously Nina goes home to Ravka because yeah. of the events that happen in the books. Um, because between Shadow and Bone and Six Crows, I think it's meant to be like 18 months mm. or something like that. And then this is literally like a month after or yeah. something, yeah. Um, so Nina goes home to Ravka, kind of sort of rejoins the army, but not really, because she... Nina is dealing with a lot of trauma, and she's not... When I say she's dealing with it, she's not. Yeah. <laughs> and she's gotten used to... The thing is, she's like obviously been... She was raised to be in the army. So she gets she got taken to the little palace when she was like eight years old. So she's always lived this regimented life of rules. Mm. And then she went and worked with this fucking chaotic gang she where she got to do whatever it. she wanted. Kind of really. Like following orders is really loose. And then she goes and rejoins the army and she just keeps going rogue. And they're like, follow orders. And she's like, but that's boring. But how about if I do something more fun? And, like, it's the bit where she's, like, she decides to break into that place. And she, as she's going through the window that she's just smashed, she just says to herself, no mourners, no funerals, which is, yeah. like, a thing from the Six of Crows books that they say. So she's kind of, like, used as a spy mm. because she has some She's really good at languages. Skills, yeah, that really help with that. And because she's not very good at following orders in there. Yeah. In the army. So they're like, oh, go and send her off to be a rogue spy, basically. Um, and it's all about kind of the fallout in Ravka, because obviously, a place that's been ravaged by civil war for years is not going to just be fine. Mm. Even though they've got a nice king now who takes care of them, and all of their enemies, so and they're, they're yeah, landlocked. So they see him as a bastard king as mm. well, which doesn't help at no. all. And they are landlocked by two other kingdoms that are more powerful than them at that point, have more money. And they're like, well, Ravka has, basically Ravka has all the Grisha. One kingdom hates the Grisha, the other kingdom wants to take advantage of the Grisha. So it's uh, it's all sorts of, it's good stuff. It makes politics fun. Yeah. Because it does, it plays with a lot of like themes without being kind of in your face and too much reality. <laughs> yeah, and it like calls back to some stuff from like the first initial trilogy mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's yeah, I can see that it was very much wrapped up for the fans. Yeah. I didn't like that she brought the Darkling back in that was because I was like, leave it alone. That was my only issue. In my opinion, but yeah, yeah, yeah. My only issue with that is like and also because he went from being the big bad to a bit of a joke. Yeah. And mm. And then quickly summarise the ninth house, and I got the Goodreads up for that because it's the only one that neither of us have read. So I was like, we've got no point of reference. Um, so Galaxy Alex Stern is the most unlikable member of Yale freshman class. Raised in Los Angeles hinterlands by a hippie mum, Alex dropped out of school early and into the world of shady drug dealer boyfriends, dead end jobs, and much, much worse. By age 20, in fact, she's the sole survivor of a horrific unsolved multiple homicide. Some might say she's thrown her life away, but at her hospital bed, Alex is offered a second chance to attend one of the world's most elite universities on a full ride. What's the catch and why her? Still searching for answers to this herself, Alex arrives in New Haven, tasked by her mysterious benefactors with monitoring the activities of Yale's secret societies. The eight windowless tombs are well known to be haunts of the future rich and powerful, from high-ranking politicos to Wall Street and Hollywood's biggest players, but their occult activities are revealed to be more sinister and more extraordinary than any paranoid imagination might conceive. 
So this is definitely up your street. Yeah, second so sure. one comes out next year. I think it's called Hellbent or something like that. Uh, and if I remember right, the cover has a dead rabbit on it. You are right on both counts. Hellbent and um, it's a very like creepy a dead rabbit. rabbit yeah, yeah, because yeah, and the new T Kingfisher book has come out and that's got like a skinned rabbit on it as well. And I'm like, I'm vibing on it. Seems to be like replacing, you know, the snake store on everything. Yeah. Because Ninth House has a snake on it, isn't it? And now mm-hmm. I think it seems to be skinned rabbits. Okay. I'm not sure how I feel about that trend. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know why I haven't read that yet, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, no, I have it and I still haven't read it. I don't really know why. Mm-hmm. And then I thought we'd conclude with a couple of quotes. Let's do it. So. So someone made a compilation of her quotes about writing and stuff, so I thought we could do a couple of them. Mm-hmm. So, I think we kind of fetishise the creative life and the idea that somehow you're not a real writer if you're pursuing taking care of yourself in your life as you pursue your art is an incredibly damaging one. Cool. And then this one. Very few people have the wherewithal or the safety net to be able to pursue writing full-time from moment one. And I want people to understand that you can absolutely work a job, sometimes two jobs, and have those responsibilities and still write. I think that when you're writing, being creative in other ways is really useful and therapeutic. I thought these were a bit more epic, but they're just kind of dumb, so I'm going to go back to the quotes. I like them, though. Hmm. I like the reminder that you're no less a writer because you have, like, a day job or whatever. Oh, this whole thing of, like, suffering for your art, I think if you... I suffer enough. Yeah. <laughs> but that stereotype of writing is just not good for you. No, and also that stereotype generally follows people who have family members who can help them. Yeah, it's a privileged kind of thing. It's a, it's like it's I don't more know. artists as well. I think like mm. where their family can afford for them to just piss about with. Is that thing which from is fine? Eighteen like hundreds romantic literature. Where they were, wear off. <laughs> were, you, were they were always able to just like not work because they were rich upper class people? So that's why they could live the tortured artist's life yeah. and or they were women so they weren't allowed to work anyway yeah this is a rule of wolves quote mm-hmm. this is what love does in the stories love healed your wounds fixed what was broken allowed you to go on but love wasn't a spell some kind of benediction to be whispered a balm or cure-all it was a single fragile thread which grew stronger through connection through shared hardship and honoured trust um, and then I've got some really good Kaz quotes. Oh, yeah. So, this is when they're escaping the ice core and he nearly drowns. Mm. The ache in his lungs is unbearable. He needed to tell her what? That she was lovely and brave and better than anything he deserved. That he was twisted, crooked, wrong, but not so broken that he couldn't put himself into some semblance of a man for her. That without meaning to, he'd begun to lean on her, to look for her, to need her near. He needed to thank her for his new hat. What I love about them. Is they're both so broken. Mm. And that's it. I just yeah. love that they're both so broken. But just the way, like, but not so broken he couldn't put himself together yeah. for her. So, like, instead of, uh, yeah, you know, like, none of this toxic shit of, you know, I'm going to fix him. He's like, well, no, I need to fix myself to be worthy of her. Or her, yeah. I love it. And don't, whoever says that it's toxic. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't know why people say that. No. I think it's because of that quote where Inez is like, I want to be free and I don't want to be chained by something else and like she basically says she's not gonna she's not gonna fix him but then his POV is like I'm not gonna fi- ask her to fix me so no, sorry and then there's this bit so Inej gets kidnapped at one point and they get her back um, and this is the conversation they have afterwards it's another great Kaz quote I would come for you he said and when she saw he saw the wary look she shot him he said it again I would come for you and if I couldn't walk I'd crawl to you and no matter how broken we were we'd fight our way out together knives drawn pistols blazing because that's what we do we never stop fighting like I'm not doing these moments justice in the books they're just so like (laughs) when when he's like bandaging her yeah so I have a scene is unnecessarily have you seen the fan art of that scene? Yeah. Oh my god. Because there's nothing spectacularly intimate in it. No. It's the most intimate scene it's in so the book. It's so intimate. And like, yeah. Mm. More than like some of these books with these gratuitous sex scenes in them. That yeah, moment no is hotter. <laughs> but it's like, it was when I was read it and I, oh, I remember I voice noted yeah, it the like, next day and I was like, <laughs> like oh my god. why was that? 
I'm still thinking about it the next day. Yeah. Why was that like the sexiest, not sexiest, yeah. like the, I don't know. Like, I held my breath when I was yeah. reading it. I was like, oh. It is sexy, but I think in this very female gaze version of yes. sexy. Like, it was the most intimate is. scene I yeah. think I've ever read in a book. Like the vulnerability of it and his willingness to be vulnerable yeah. is, yeah. I remember like telling Roxy about it before she read the books. And when she read it, she was like, Oh, I didn't really get it and I was like no for me that Sorry. was it that was like <laughs> yeah I agree with you <sighs> yeah I uh, actually have got a book coming out with Six of Crows memes in it <gasps> and the end one I was like this isn't a meme I just need to leave this here and it's the <laughs> fan art of that moment <laughs> and then I've just got a good Nina quote this isn't even deep it just made me laugh uh, it's not natural for women to fight. She rolled her eyes. It's not tra- it's natural for someone to be as stupid as he is tall yet there you stand <sighs> The woman Nina. who plays Nina in the series, oh, she's perfect. By the way, like you yeah. need to, yeah. Especially as you love Nina. Nina, yeah, she's my bae. Uh, and then in Nikolai's experience, honesty was much like herbal tea, something well-meaning people recommend when they're out of better options. Oh, it's just the characters are so. You can't read anything set in the Grishaverse and not fall in love with a character or see yourself reflected in at least one character well they have you know representation of like obviously it's set in the fantasy genre but representation of different races different they've got different disabilities as well there's not just one disabled character there's representation of a lot of it dyslexia adhd there's a character with a cane there are different types of relationships so there's a bisexual couple nina is i don't know Fluid. Fluid, pretty much. Seems to be like anything goes for Nina. Probably um, they had that word. But. And it just goes to show that people who are like, ah, it's not relevant to the time period. It's a fantasy world. And this is set in like, not set, not like pseudo-medieval, but definitely not modern yeah. times. Most fantasy is kind of like around medieval times. Ish, yeah. But that doesn't mean that it has to be based on that. No, because and if also, they don't have the church, they wouldn't have the same influence as we had. So. Yeah. And the, the outrageous belief that people weren't queer in medieval times is ridiculous as well. Well, I saw it, yeah, it was on Facebook. It was like this thread of, like, ah, oh, you know, there wasn't all these gay people in my time or something. There was, you just and then, didn't know. But yeah. there was a thread of <clears throat> pictures dating back to, like, obviously photos, hmm. going back to the 1800s. Of, like, yes, we've always been here, we've just been invisible. Um, and it, but they were like, really before the, the beautiful church, photos. Before the church, it, like, sexual fluidity mm. was just a thing, I think. Like when you look at like Romans and mm-hmm. Greeks and stuff, there was none of this bullshit. Mm. It's a very it's a Christian, Christian Western concept yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, I know there's some other religions that are also also like anti people living their best life, but I feel like Western Christianity is just a scourge on this world. I think where it was used during colonization to justify controlling measures is where it's become this other beast and where rome and the power of vatican itself has used it as a way to control people i mean like the feudal system even in like in england relied on that power of the church's absolute kind of thing and like how the church doesn't pay taxes makes it sick Mm-hmm. Along with everything else they do, but that. So we won't get too political with the rent. But anyway, she does a very good yeah, job. She of... does it wonderfully. Right. There's no unnecessary sexual assault. But theme, no... those themes are discussed, but in the right way. Yeah. And not, I, I, some of that I find the ones. It's where not it's, there for titillation. When it's a really gratuitous rape scene, it sometimes almost feels like it's fetishizing it. Yeah. That like, is wrong. Yeah. Especially in TV. And when it's used to, like, especially when it's used to spur anyone's character <clears throat> development, whether it's a male close to that woman or the woman themselves, which I realise you can go on very powerful journeys as a result of those kind of experiences, but when it's used But you can also go on powerful journeys without those experiences. Yeah. But it's particularly, and this is where my anger with Game of Thrones came mm-hmm. from, they used it all the time for the development of men. Yeah. And... 
or even get out like, of my life. The development of Sansa. Yeah, I mean, I stopped watching yeah. when that happened. Because Sansa was already... She went for enough to yeah. become a badass. She didn't need to be yep. horribly raped on her wedding night or whatever. It's the fact that she says to someone, if... if oh, I would have stayed as a broken bird. I would have been a broken bird yeah. forever or something. And I hate that quote. Yeah, don't, don't like... I hate that. Don't be like, oh, I'm a much better person because I went through this. No. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Anyway. We love Bardugo. We stand her. She a queen. Yeah. Go read her stuff. Just do it. Watch, the audiobooks are great as well. Show. The audiobooks yeah. of Six of Crows are great. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. We love you. <laughs> that was creepy. <laughs>